Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting fam. This is Sammy and Michelle, and you're listening to the 54th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we are talking about 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. But first, let me check in with my co-host, Michelle. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm good, Sammy. How are you? I am doing good. And listeners, this is our first episode recording from our new home in our new small town. We are kind of liking it. It is in the middle of nowhere. Sure, it's about two hours from any major city, but it's really peaceful here. And it's also really beautiful, like especially the sunrises and the sunsets against the desert sky is just absolutely gorgeous. I have to agree, Sammy. It has been really nice and it has been really beautiful and quiet and peaceful. And there's just something nice and calm and functional about a small town that I've been really enjoying. And we've been enjoying exploring it too. I especially like that my workplace is a two minute commute. Literally, I leave my house at like 7.50 and I get there at 7.52. I'm parked. 7.55, I am in the building. It is amazing. And as someone who has been commuting three hours a day sometimes, this is a welcome change. Crazily enough, the new clinic, my clinic is building a newer clinic, and it's going to be closer to my house, which I did not even think was possible. So technically, I could be bike riding, I'm driving, but it is amazing. I think that driving is probably more sustainable into the summer when it is likely going to be in the 100 degrees. 100 teens. Which brings up problems we haven't even thought about. Like, now I really appreciate why people have those reflecty things on their windows. And I was reading th- people talking about, like, your tires melting and things like that. I was like, this is stuff that literally has never crossed my mind. It's true, Sammy. And that'll be interesting. I do think I prefer heat over coldness, but who knows? Maybe I'll be regretting that in, like, June. Which is many weeks away. Many weeks, but not too many, because in fact, we don't have too many weeks at all. In fact, we only have on average 4,000 weeks. And that's what we're talking about today. Exactly, Sammy. Sammy and I heard Oliver Berkman on a few different podcasts talking about 4,000 weeks, time management for mortals, and we were inspired to pick up the book and we wanted to talk a little bit about his major points, which we think are really, really good in terms of thinking about your life and what's important to you. That's exactly right, Michelle. Oliver really emphasizes the shortness of our lives. He really wants us to acknowledge and accept that shortness. That's why he describes life in terms of weeks, because there's something about 4,000 weeks that just sounds so short. We all know, you know, how many years about we have, but 4,000 weeks, that sounds so tangible. Like, I could spend $4,000 and I would be aware of where that went. That's how I feel about 4,000 weeks. I'm like, it's so small. Yeah, Sammy. And it is small. 4,000 weeks is way, way small in terms of the length of the universe. 
and in terms of humankind, even in terms of this country, which is 200 years old. 4,000 weeks estimates an average lifetime of about 80 years. And shoot, sometimes I question how long I'm going to live. So who knows how long we have? Yeah, I did not realize that that was for 80 years. And I'm starting to feel a little worse about this 4,000 weeks thing. So yeah, super short. You know, Sam, we've been eating pretty well. So I think we're gaining back some of those years. (laughs) Very true, Michelle. And what I like about Oliver Berkman's perspective is he is not like your life is short, so you need to do X, Y, and Z ASAP. Or he's not like some of these self-help books that really try to like make you more efficient and really try to optimize. Oliver just like straight up acknowledges that you are not going to get your whole to-do list done. Like you're not going to travel to every country that you want to go to. That whole idea of everything that you want to get done, there's simply not enough time. Yes, Amy. It's funny because Oliver Berkman is clearly both a productivity geek, as he self-proclaims. I would say even somebody who is in productivity rehab, because it does seem like he has read every productivity book and has wrote about it. So he knows about all the different books and ideas and hacks that there are in life. And then his book really focuses on why trying to squeeze life and get every drop out of it may not be the best way to live. A very anti-productivity mentality. Anti-productivity is right, Michelle. One thing he talks about in particular is emails and how we all try to get to that inbox zero, like just try to get all our emails done. And he points out how if you are someone who is quick to respond to emails, you end up just getting more emails. And I find this to be so true in my life as well. Like if I'm really quick to respond to like every single message that comes into my inbox, I just find that like people send me messages sometimes instead of other people because they know I will respond to it quickly. And what ends up happening is you end up just spending more time on emails because you have even more emails. You literally are on a hamster wheel where if you run faster, you're not going anywhere. And most importantly, you're not getting to the tasks that you really want to get done. It's true, Sammy. Oliver Berkman talks a lot about the quote-unquote efficiency trap, about how you can get yourself into a cycle like that, and how a lot of times when we have a to-do list or things that we want to do, we ironically end up doing the least important things or the easy things first, and then we never make time for the things that are most important to us. I know I'm totally guilty of that where I will put together a list when I'm in the office and I will knock off all the small things. And then next thing you know, you've had so many small things and those small things lead to other small things. And then at the end of the day, I haven't even accomplished the big thing that I want to accomplish. Yeah, Michelle, work is definitely a big one that takes up a ton of time and almost all of our lives. It's interesting because in Oliver's book, he talks about John Maynard Keynes, who was an economist who thought that in the future, we would only work 15 hours a week. He was predicting into nowadays, and he is so wrong. We definitely work more than 15 hours a week. But his reasoning was that as things became more efficient, we would get our tasks done quickly, so we would have tons of leisure time. And he's actually correct about getting things done more quickly. Like those same tasks that we had to do at that time, we got them done more quickly. But we filled the rest of the time with more work instead of leisure. 
Yes, Yami. It's really ironic. And it's funny because he thought that we were going to have more time because of all this new technology and we'd be able to be more productive. And he literally is thinking, wow, like, what are we going to do with that time? Like our biggest struggles are going to be figuring out what to do with all this extra time that we have. And we found this funny article on NPR where they find Apparently, he didn't actually have any children or grandchildren. He found his sister's grandkids and asked them, oh, like, how long do you work? And it's like 50 hours a week, 100 hours a week, all these long work days. So he did predict that his grandkids would only have to work 15 hours a week. And what actually happened was we just try to squeeze more and more in our work day. Exactly, Michelle. And a lot of times, the more and more that we're squeezing into our workday is not things that we choose for ourselves. It's put on us by our jobs. And we wait to do our life's most valuable work until we have a large chunk of time. I see this in myself all the time. I don't want to start something super meaningful to my own life until I have a big old chunk of time where I can really do it properly and really do it thoroughly. And what Oliver Brickman points out is that day never comes. We keep pushing off these big life goals and these big life objectives for a later date. And instead, we fill our days with smaller and menial tasks. It's so true, Sammy. You always hear people talk about how they want to write a book, how they want to start a podcast, how they want to create a company, whatever it might be for each person. And then they're like, well, I'll do it when I retire or I'll do it in the future because I'm working so much right now, which I think is totally valid. Our lives are very tiring and we don't necessarily want to go and start our own projects. But the sad truth is, is that we put off those things in order to do the things that we feel like we have to do for work or to make money. And then we end up not getting to the projects that would actually make our 4,000 weeks most meaningful. That made me and Michelle think about Bronnie Ware. We had actually talked about Bronnie Ware in a previous episode, actually our very first episode, because she is a hospice nurse who wrote a book called Regrets of the Dying. And the second most common regret is actually people saying, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I hear that, Tammy. I'm not going to lie, Michelle, I hear it too. And sometimes I think, you know, I have a meaningful job, I go there, I'm helping people, and I like my job, but I do often think, I wish I didn't work so hard, like I wish I didn't work so many hours, because at the end of the day, you only have 4,000 weeks, and you really want to relish that time that you have here. The greatest irony, Sammy, is that I imagine day to day, people feel the way I do, where I feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't do enough work. I'm not working hard enough. How can I do more? How can I show up more? How can I show everybody else that I'm working hard? All of that, which I think for me is something that comes from the ego because I want to prove or show that I'm working hard. All that to get to the end of your life and saying, gosh darn it, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I'm doing that for somebody else and I wasn't necessarily doing that for myself. Yeah, Michelle. That became really apparent to me last year when my boss had offered me a promotion and he suggested that, you know, with the promotion, he would want me to start working 40 hours a week, which I know sounds like a very reasonable work week, but truthfully, I was working 32 hours a week and I knew that I was doing way more work than that. So I decided to track my time, see the previous Tracking Your Time episode, What I found out was that for every eight hour day that I had at work, I would spend at least one and a half hours outside of work catching up on other things. 
whether that was paperwork or projects that I was doing. And I just like really knew in my heart that if I took this promotion, I would be taking on an additional eight hours, but I'm sure whatever job that they would give me would actually take more than eight hours. So I ultimately was like, you know, thank you, but I don't want to take the promotion because I want to keep my time and like keep a work-life balance, which they were okay with. But tracking my time really opened my eyes because it just really made me realize that it's almost not quantifiable. Like there's almost not a dollar amount that you can put on it if someone is taking up that much of your time when that's not exactly how you wanted to spend your time. Yes, Amy. I mean, time is a finite resource. We don't have a lot of it, which I think of course, is the main point of this book. If we only have, say, on average, 4,000 weeks, then sometimes we feel like, oh, if I just work a little bit later, a couple extra hours, or if I'm working more hours this week than I'm usually paid for, it doesn't really matter. But we are giving away something that is really important, and that is some of our precious hours and some of our 4,000 weeks. Right, Michelle, I think there's this feeling in our culture that if you don't want to put in the time, you're kind of being lazy or you're not really a hard worker, but actually you're just someone who has your priorities in order. You have your life and your priorities for your life in order. Hello there, fam. Sammy and I are here to talk about our partner, Ana Luisa. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. We are loving the earrings and necklaces we got from their website. Beautiful and timeless gold pieces different size hoops, and elegant chains. You may have seen us showing them off on our TikToks and Reels. They're a great gift for yourself or for someone special in your life. Hello, Valentine's Day is around the corner, Sammy. Or the Super Bowl if you want to bring out your hoops. Wrong sport, but still a slam dunk joke, Sammy. The best part is, Ana Luisa is a growing business that's focused on making beautiful jewelry without hurting the planet. That's so true, Sammy. And Ana Luisa's prices are great too, with jewelry starting at $39. New jewelry collections are released every Friday, and if you click our link and use the code STATUSPOSTADULTING, no spaces, you will get 10% off. That's right, Michelle. So go to Ana Luisa's website, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, and use our code STATUSPOSTADULTING, no spaces, for 10% off. It's true, Sammy. Another branch of this too, which Oliver Berkman talks about, which obviously we were thrilled about, is social media. And he talks about how not just time, but also our attention is a finite resource and how having social media and going online and scrolling and just being very unintentional and using that time, maybe because we're bored or because we just want to step out of the world for a second, is such a loss because a lot of times that we do spend on social media, I know I find this for myself, is not meaningful. It's not necessarily sharing content with my friends or keeping updated with my friends. It's just going through all of these random videos and memes and listening to the same 15 second song over and over and over again. And I only want my life to have a very small portion of that. I definitely don't want to be spending hours and hours and hours doing something like that. It's true, Michelle. And you all know we are not fans of social media. We have a whole episode about being off social media. And yet we have a podcast which benefits from putting out things on social media. While me and Michelle were listening to this part of the book, we were thinking about different things that we could do to help manage our social media part of the podcast, but also protect our attention. Because, you know, we have a tendency sometimes to get on there 
and then get on the newsfeed. And sometimes we're looking at things like the Bachelor recaps. We're not even watching The Bachelor anymore because we don't have a television. And yet, we kind of want to watch those recaps and see what happened. Or we're watching tons of Kim Kardashian videos because, as you all know, we love the Kardashians. But the truth is, we don't want to be doing those things. We want to be in charge of our attention and our time. And we care about this so much that we actually have been talking about getting a separate phone for the podcast. That would be a phone with potentially a really nice camera, side benefit, that we use for getting the podcast message out there, but not for personal use. So that way we don't have to have things like Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff on our own phone so that we're not tempted to go there and get distracted or end up in an infinite scroll for like 15 or 30 minutes or more. Yeah, Sammy, uh, burner, social media, TikTok, Instagram phone might sound a little bit crazy, but Sammy and I do talk about how just by being back on social media, even if we only post for our podcast, even if we're only trying to spend as little time as possible, it's hard when you have the apps on your phone. And even if you delete them and bring them back on and you put timers on it, like I've done all of these things, it's so easy to just go back and look for a second and then scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. I literally, of all the things I've introduced in my life in the last few years, I would say bringing social media back is one of my least favorites. It's so true, Michelle. That's how much attention really means to us. Because we really know that the most important thing is being present. In his book, Oliver Berkman talks about how a lot of times we put these goals in our life and we really fixate on accomplishing these goals to be like the purpose of our life. And I do think goals are important. I do think goals are meaningful. But also just being present, no matter what's going on, is really important. It's true, Sammy. He gives kind of a fun example of when he was thinking about raising his kids and which method was the best method to do and how he's reading about all of these different ways to raise your kids. And he makes the point that he came to the realization that all of this is focused on creating kids that are good adults instead of really being focused on enjoying your time with your children and really just creating an environment where you can enjoy those moments together. Well, I don't have kids, I can definitely relate because even sometimes I think about that. How am I going to raise my kids? What's important to them? How do I make sure they're normal and blah, 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 blah. Like we get so focused in those kind of things. And it is crazy how we're taking our own efficiency, productivity. How can I be the best at this mindset? And then putting it on a child with good intentions, but maybe focusing on the wrong things or maybe getting obsessed with the details. Obsessed with the details is right, Michelle. And this perfectionism is something that Oliver talks about a lot. In fact, he really feels like sometimes in this world where we have so many options, we seek perfection. And this prevents us from making a decision and moving forward sometimes. So he's really big on just committing sometimes, just committing to something and moving forward with it. Sometimes the only way you can even know that something's wrong is by committing and moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting, Sammy, because because we were just reading Morgan Housel's The Psychology of Money, and he references a similar study as Oliver Berkman does, which is that people who they commit to a marriage, commit to having kids, commit to making a decision and living through it are actually happier than people who go back and forth on things. As a maximizer, I totally get that. I'm always going back and forth and being like, what is the best possible decision I can make when it comes to these big decisions in my life. And it's almost a little comforting to know, just make a decision. 
make a decision, live your life, and it's likely you'll be happy. It's true, Michelle. And when I first heard Oliver mention this part of the book, he was talking about relationships in particular and committing to a partner and committing to having kids instead of searching around for like the perfect partner. And at first I was like, wait, I don't want to have kids or I don't want to have a partner. So so I felt a bit confused about how his advice would relate to me. But then I realized I did commit to not getting married and not having kids. Like at a young age, I was just like, you know what? That's not for me. And it's not because I like despise marriage or despise children. I think there's pros and cons of it. For me, when I think about the things I want to accomplish in my life, I just know if I spend a lot of time trying to think about who I'm going to marry or the type of person I want to marry or having kids and making sure my kids are going to be raised correctly, spending all that time and energy on that is going to take away from the other things that I really want to do. And I could sense at a young age that having both of those priorities would realistically be difficult. And so at a young age, I committed to not getting married and not having kids. And I do think that, especially in my late 20s and early 30s, that kind of made my life easier because I just knew we already made a decision about it. I don't need to worry about my biological clock and all this stuff. I know where I stand. It's true, Sammy. I think society actually perpetuates the opposite of this study, which is people who always say, well, what if you regret it? What if you regret these things? What if you regret it? And actually, it's that quote unquote debating, am I going to regret this? Am I going to regret this? Is the problematic part of the decision making. It's better to think it through, make a decision, take your time, commit to it in that moment and move on with your life. And chances are, it seems like statistically, people actually don't regret the decisions that they make. They live their lives, they learn as they do. And by doing, they end up so much more happier and fulfilled in life than if they are just sitting there paralyzed by choice. I can definitely feel myself as the latter. And again, I think it's so freeing to be like, okay, committing to something is actually better than being confused and so concerned about making the wrong decision. So some takeaways for this episode, Michelle. First, accept that you're not going to be able to do everything that you've wanted to do in your life during these 4,000 weeks that you have. For me, this was a big one. Because it helps you just cross out little things that you're like, I would like to do that, but I'm not going to get to it. Just completely rules it out. Exactly, Sammy. Life is short. And instead of having this forever long to-do list, forever long bucket list, all these places that we think we should travel to, it's just better to be like, hey, this is what's important to me. These are really the things that I want to focus on. And I'm going to focus on that. Another takeaway is pay yourself first with your time. Whatever the big thing that you want to do with your time is, whether that's just relaxing or being present, put that in your schedule first. It's your life. You only have one of them. So make sure you schedule yourself first. Absolutely, Sammy. We often put the most valuable projects, the things that we think are going to bring us the most meaning for tomorrow. And then tomorrow, as the cliche goes, never comes. And the third takeaway is commit. Sometimes we want to be perfect and we want to consider every little detail, but oftentimes it's better just to make a decision. And if you feel you're going the wrong way, just undo that decision. Yep, Sammy. Commit, start doing, living. And if you find that you need to course correct, course correct. You're allowed to do that. And we're not trying to be negative here, right, Michelle? We have 4,000 short weeks, but it's not just 4,000 short weeks. Really, it's a miracle that we have any weeks at all. For me personally, 
I feel like our souls are put here for a reason. I feel like before we even came to this earth, we had a soul contract that we're working out related to our previous lives, related to our family's previous lives, things that we are trying to resolve in this lifetime, good that we are trying to do for others in this lifetime, that we're here to get really in tune with. We're here to get really clear about that. And when I think about these 4,000 weeks, it's really the opportunity for ourselves to come here and learn and change and evolve and be an even better person, be an even better and more pure soul for our next lifetime. Or heck, maybe this is your last lifetime. Maybe you're pretty far along this and you're going to be in land at the end of this. Good for you. Hopefully that's me too. But we have these 4,000 weeks to do some work on ourselves and be a benefit to the world. And I think it's really important to just never forget the bigger picture and all of this too. So true. There is something powerful to admitting life is finite. It's my life. I'm living it. And I need to live a life that's the most meaningful to me. So thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know if you have any thoughts on 4,000 weeks or if you've read it yourself. You can always Instagram us at statuspostadulting. Send us a direct message there. You can email us statuspostadulting at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our partner, Ana Luisa. Use statuspostadulting, code no spaces for 10% off. And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rulebook and rethink the status quo.